1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the program. It is Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host out here live in Las Vegas. Your other host live in Denver, Colorado, James Salinas. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, Miami, and the Philadelphia Phillies, James. Uh, Phillies are plus 118, the sevens, the total, about to start. I don't have a play on this game.
4: I don't have a play on this game either, but I'm really looking to see. I'm, you know, I'm really staying away from a doubleheader. So it's game one of a doubleheader Mm -hmm. today, and whether it's looking at the lineups or sometimes they don't get the starters out. We know who's starting for the first game here with Alcantara and Matt Moore going on for the Phillies. But I stay away from the doubleheaders from first, whether it's first and or second games. But looking, I'm just interested to see where this National League East race goes in the second half of the season right now with yeah. the Mets ahead. But most of these teams really underachieving right now and, and the Mets are not running away with anything despite all the talent and payroll. There's another team with a lot of payroll and are the are the New York Mets and plenty of talent on that team. But when is that going to come together and start to get on a streak here? And I think for the Phillies, if it's just digging into schedules, you know, this this second half of the season, if you look at their schedule, it's pretty favorable for them. They've got a number of games. Uh, you, you're talking about they're still playing the They still have a number of games within the NL West that they're going to play. In particular, we're talking about the Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have two series against the Diamondbacks. Seven games to play. Where yeah. is that team going to end up here in a month? <laughs> Where is that team ended up all season? That's a bad team right now. They got seven games against the D-backs. They, ha- they host the Rockies for four games. And, you know, the Rockies have been stellar at home. They're not going to Colorado. Those games are going to be in Philadelphia. So there's an advantage there. And I think just looking through here, they, they still have a number of they got four games against Pittsburgh. Just if you do it and you dig into it, it's going to be a pretty soft schedule for the Phillies. It's a really good lineup. It's an awful bullpen. Uh, But if you look at the top of that rotation, anytime you've got guys with Wheeler having a sensational season, Aaron Nola, we know what he's capable of doing. They can get deeper in the games and not have to go so deep into the bullpen. I think the Phillies, with that lineup, uh, they have a shot to stay competitive, especially with the way that the schedule plays out for the second half of the season in that NL East.
1: All right, Uh, James, we have men's basketball out here. uh, The USA team uh, about to go to Tokyo. So the news, uh, Bradley Beal uh, is out because of COVID. Uh, We wondered why Kevin Love was on the roster. He's no longer on the roster anymore. Don't have to wonder about that. But uh, the exhibition games... USA is minus 550 still. Um, Spain is 11 to 1. Australia is 12 to 1. What do you think about USA basketball right now?
4: I think it's this the challenge right now. you're talking about the now Beals out and not really a lot of practice time these are you assemble a lot of talent but you also still have to have some semblance of chemistry on the floor of playing together and there's only one basketball to go around and how many of these guys are used to playing with the ball in their hands as opposed to playing off the ball and I think that's always the challenge when you assemble so much great talent because so many of them are are so ball dominated to to really maximize their talent when it comes to the offensive side of the court and not playing together. Now you're not having these exhibitions. The exhibition against, I, I believe, is Australia was canceled, so mm-hmm. now you're just going to really roll into the Olympics and, all right, well, we're going to have to figure it out as we play these games, and then you're playing international teams where these teams have played together for a number of years, so they know each other. There's chemistry on the court, and I think that's the, the toughest challenge for USA basketball, especially this season because of COVID, how long this NBA season was still going on right now. Game five (laughs) of the NBA playoffs coming tomorrow, mid-July. I think that's just such a challenge in basketball for USA, just not having the chemistry on the court when you're just assembling a ton of talent for sure, Mm -hmm. but a lot of talent that hasn't played together and a lot of talent that uh, used to having the ball in their hands. And again, you do the math, Preach? one basketball, five players wanting the ball in their hands. Not everybody's going to get the touches that they normally
1: Again. Yeah, maybe they'll be okay once they get out of Vegas too, get to Tokyo because I think there's challenges in terms of being in Vegas for a little while.
4: Uh, distractions out there or <laughs> something going yeah, on. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, Just a few so. of them, right? I, I think so too and then you get to Tokyo, you get in the the Olympic bubble and then you can get there and have some time to practice and get refocused. But, you know, they're going to have to do it on the fly because some of these teams, that's the challenge, the international players and teams have been playing together for such a long time.
1: Uh, any chance to take a flyer, anybody? Else? I mean, I wouldn't, uh, in terms of, I mean, Australia's up there, Spain, but uh, it's you all the way for me in terms of minus 550 uh, when it comes to the Tokyo Olympics, the men's basketball team. I agree with a lot of people. You'll see it on Twitter, too. Uh, people will think or opine that, okay, USA basketball, once they get focused in, in Tokyo, uh, everything is going to be okay. So kind of ignore the exhibition games currently. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host from Las Vegas, your other host, James Salinas is out there in Denver, Colorado. And right now we have uh, with us on show Jonathan Vaughn-Tobel, our resident senior NBA basketball expert. JVT, how are you? I'm good, guys. Yeah, I'm good. I'm excited.
5: Uh, Those Olympics you guys are talking about, Olympic hoops, one of my favorite things, you know, I just like basketball in general. So feeling good, and we got an interesting series on our hand in
1: the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to it. Game five. Uh, I was talking to James earlier, JVT, at some point, best out of three. Uh, the superstars are going to figure out this might be it. My only chance of winning a title, whether it's Giannis or, or Chris Paul. Chris Paul obviously elevated in age. It, it, do you cap that at all when you look at this spread? It's minus four for Phoenix at home, 218 and a half to total.
5: I mean, everybody's motivated, though, right? You know what I mean. It doesn't give you one way or the edge or another. If I, I always like the uh, team X wants it more, right? When you're watching a team or a game go down, mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's all part of their pitch. Like they all want this, you know. Chris Paul knows, and I think everybody knows when you watch sports and you know as a professional athlete, you know, once you get there, you have no idea when you're going to get back there, right? You don't even know if you're ever going to get there, as Chris Paul well knows. So I think everybody's equally motivated when you look at this. I think more of what goes into this matchup as we move forward are the adjustments that uh, the off-maligned bud who, uh, Mike Budenholzer has made with this team in terms of playing small and getting out there and running a little bit more. So, uh, you know, it's I guess it's part of it, but I think everybody's equally motivated at this point of the year.
4: JVT so let's talk about those adjustments and we've been we were digging into those all throughout the four games What was it going to look like from game one to game four and thinking about game four and the pressure the full court pressure that we Saw consistently from Drew holiday applying onto Chris Paul and I think there was some I think we might have saw him Wear down a little bit a little of attrition just from having to constantly be hounded out there on the court full court each And every time he brought the ball up, but what have you seen you talked about the small lineup from the bucks actually game four really that was the that was the only competitive game even though they were able to cover it was a late cover uh, with the Suns sitting here at four now we're at a three game series per se with the Suns having home court advantage. What did you see from the two games in Milwaukee in particular game four from the Bucks side defensively that you think carries over to game five in Phoenix tomorrow night.
5: I think the thing that is consistent here, James, is we're going to see this go forward. It's it's less Brooke Lopez, right? And that doesn't necessarily – it's not a slight of Brooke Lopez. It's just without Lopez on the floor – the Bucks are so much more versatile. They can do so many more things defensively. You know, one of the things that has bothered Chris Paul outside of that full-court pressure that you're talking about, when you're playing small and when Giannis at the, is at the five, that one five pick and roll that Chris Paul loves to exploit, right? It's a big part of his game. He loves to get opposing bigs out in space and do his thing and find his spot. Well, now that one five pick and roll is Drew Holiday and then, Jonathan to the cupo, right? Like it's not big plotting Brooke Lopez. And so that changes everything for Chris Paul, because now there's no matchup to to exploit there, right? You want to go like one four. Okay. You're going from Drew holiday to PJ Tucker now. And so playing small just gives you so many more options and it eliminates one of the main threats that the Phoenix Suns have, which is Chris Paul and his ability to exploit that one, five, take a role. And I I think that makes a world of difference because now, at least when you saw in game four, The main outlet for the Phoenix Suns is running those screens in the middle of the floor for Devin Booker to find a spot from the mid-range, and that's about it. There was no real continuity outside of them losing Jay Crowder every once in a while on the perimeter and Chris Paul finding him. They would run some Jay Crowder, Chris Paul pick-and-rolls, and and they, of course, would double off a little bit on Chris Paul, and then you would see, because Drew Holiday, they wanted to keep Holiday on Paul— and so that would leave some opportunities for Jay Crowder. But, you know, if you're relying on Jay Crowder to beat you, then I think the Bucks have a little bit of an advantage. But that small ball lineup, man, and the ability to switch one through five has worked tremendously for the Milwaukee Bucks, and, and I think that has been the big reason why we saw these two victories in Milwaukee because that has really stymied the Suns' offense, which in the two games in Phoenix had an offensive rating of 119, and in the two games in Milwaukee had an offensive rating of 104. It's a pretty big difference.
1: Yeah, speaking with Jonathan Von Tobo, our v senior NBA analyst right here on the network uh, jbt uh, i wanted to ask you about this total um, I, I believe you've been inclined to go over we saw the other uh, other game game four cash to the under 218 and a half uh, steady uh, with this total uh, where are you at with this total right now
5: yeah, so I think so for Game Four, Pritch. You know, I, I think I talked to you guys about it. Was a, wait for a uh, wait for a slow start and get in, and you, you got that slow start. if you got over, I think the lowest I saw in Game Four was two eight and a half. I got in at two ten and a half, and that barely goes over. You're right. You know, it, it, the Suns' offense disappearing has been a big problem for my theory that this was going to be a higher scoring series. And I think if you look at this now, right. Now we're back in the range of the opening total for Game One. If you guys remember Game One, the opening total was 217. We saw the opener here of 218. So this is all reliant now on whether the Suns are going to be able to find their offense again. If this is going to go over like I believe it would, right? Because the Bucks, what they're doing offensively, Pritch, I think is perfectly sustainable. One of the things that I've written about and I have talked about here with the Suns team is regular season 24th in rim defense, postseason second most shots allowed within four feet of the basket. Uh, those two things we're going to to come together at one point, and an opponent was going to be able to exploit that. And sure enough, two games in Milwaukee, the Phoenix Suns give up 60 attempts within four feet of the basket. They allow the Milwaukee Bucks to shoot 70% on those shots, and they give up 14 shooting fouls. That is something that is going to maintain itself throughout this series. So now it's about the Phoenix Suns being able to exploit this small ball lineup and doing something with it if this is going to go over the total. And, and that's the one thing that kind of worries me because. If you're looking at it from the Suns' perspective, there are ways to do it, right? It's when you have a mismatch, then you're going to start to attack the basket a little bit more. It's getting guys like Giannis in foul trouble, Drew, but so in foul trouble. The problem is getting guys in foul trouble is more about attacking the rim, and this is a team that finished last in terms of rim frequency this year, right? They're not a team that attacks the basket. Think about their best players, Grevin Booker, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, guys, had 64 attempts at the rim the entire regular season over the course of that 72-game regular season. That's nothing. And so, like, it it just worries me, Pritch. that I think there are ways to to get back on track for Phoenix's offense, but it's just not what this Suns team has been or is constructed to do, and thus it makes me a little tentative to go back to my original hypothesis before the series that this thing is going to go over.
4: JBT, let's get your opinion now on the series. We know what the number looks like for tomorrow. It's Suns minus four for game five, and Suns still have the home court advantage. Both teams were able to to hold serve at home per se. That's why we're sitting here 2-2. And we've seen the market as far as the series price go. That has really fluctuated from where it was. I think it was at one point going into game three, it was like Suns laying 500. Now that has came all the way back now with series tied 2-2. Suns laying. A dollar fifty, with the Bucks get back around one twenty-five. Have home court advantage. Any inclination to get involved with the series price right now, with the series tied at two?
5: No, not so much. You know, James, I was kind of surprised in tying in like the Finals MVP market. Like, I was surprised to see that the Suns were favored, but Giannis was favored to win the award. You know, that's pretty interesting when you give a you know, given that we've talked about this a lot. There's a correlation between the two, right? Series price and Finals MVP best player on the final the team that is leading will probably be more likely correlated to the prices you see in that market, but it's not the case. But I think from a serious perspective, look, like I picked the Suns to win six and I'm not going to back off of it. But at the same time, I don't think there's any denying from what we have seen. I would even count game two guys, right? Because in game two, when Giannis drops 40 points, again, they're just getting exploited within four feet of the basket. It's just that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton didn't show up in those games or in that game specifically in game two. But the Bucks are in the driver's seat because they have actually have made literal adjustments. They have changed the way that they're playing. Brooke Lopez goes from averaging 29 minutes per game in the postseason to 20- 20. To- total of 40 in the last two contests, 19 in game five, game four. Like there have changed, been real adjustments here for the Milwaukee Bucks that you're seeing, there's a tangible change with what they have done from a game plan perspective. It just clearly changed what Phoenix has to do offensively. And Phoenix has not shown, I think through two games that they're able to combat that. And I think that's my worry here. If you know, since like I've got Paul finals MVP ticket outside of his performances, now I'm worried that they're even going to win this series because they don't seem to have the answers for what the Milwaukee Bucks are presenting to them.
1: Wow, that's powerful right there because I'm looking at Chris Paul at plus 190 right now. Yesterday we could have grabbed him at plus 260 uh, in terms of finals MVP. And then I'm looking at Booker uh, at plus 250. So if this series does go to six, uh, Phoenix, they get to uh, win – Uh, here at Game 5 at home. They go on a road. Uh, Looking at what Booker did on the road in that last game, he put up 42 points. I mean, can you see a path to the NBA Finals MVP for Devin Booker there at plus 250?
5: Oh yeah, of course, right. I think it's it's heavily dependent Pritch, on what he does in this next game, or you know, in a closeout game, because you know he, he he was very dynamic, obviously scoring forty points by the way on not a single three point shot, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. So doing what he did in this last game, you know, he's clearly has the capability to go nuclear with his scoring and win a Finals MVP. You know, the worry is like if Chris Paul comes out in this game and drops a quality 23-8 and eight line, 50% shooting like he did in Game 2, he already has the Game 1 performance under his belt. Chris Paul would still be the leader in my mind okay. to win Finals MVP, right? We're going to remember everything recently. But I think that if you look at it from the perspective, of it, it's just really dependent on who's the dominant player here in this game, right? And, and that will tell you, I think, whoever's going to win that award. It'll be whichever of the two decides to show up here in Game 5. You just got to figure out which one it's going to be.
4: JVT. So thinking about tomorrow night's game and I'm with you, I have the suns in six, and then I have the suns in seven, both a good plus prices. And I didn't get involved until after game two with those numbers, just because I really needed to see what Giannis was going to look like really haven't played a whole lot in this series outside of getting involved in the prop market, the player prop market and kind of going further down the list of some of the players, whether it was Connaughton or getting involved. I know you did bridges a couple times um, thinking about what you've seen throughout the course of the four games now going back to Phoenix have you looked at the player prop market for tomorrow night's game and is there anything of interest on that board
5: so James I I don't I don't remember off the top of my head but to your point you know I know you did this I think it was for game three and I went to the well for game four uh, but this small ball lineup for Milwaukee has caused Pat Connaughton's role to increase exponentially. And he has been a very, very big piece for them. You know, I don't think people will realize this, but in game four, uh, by far, the best plus minus was Pat Connaughton at plus 21. He was great in game four. Snagging rebounds, he had a key offensive rebound late. Uh, of course, that put him over his point total. He, he was really dynamic in that game. And he is, from a role perspective, very much increasing what you're looking at. And he's, he's going to get a lot of three-point shot. He's going to get some rebounds. But playing him over those points, if you're Still getting in the range of seven and a half, which uh, the market maybe has adjusted on that. But I think that is the way to go. So you're right about looking further in the board. But Connaughton, I was in on him in Game Four, going over the points, and if there haven't, there has not been a major adjustment. That's the way, I think, to go again because his role is expanded. He's getting the three-point shots, and he is hitting those three-point shots, too, shooting around 40% from three. But with an expanded role, with this adjustment, Pat Connerton, I think, would be the way to go because he's been solid the two games in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, he's actually taking a rock away from Tucker, Uh, uh, JVT. I I, I had some uh, props on Tucker there, but uh, I can appreciate the adjustments, too, from Budenholzer there with Milwaukee. Uh, In fact, I appreciate it so much looking at Middleton and his points, rebounds, and assists at 36. Six and a half, uh, you know, game four, he's taken more shots than Giannis and everybody. Thirty three attempts there on the floor uh, because of the attention with the Bucks and defense with certain players. Is that freeing up Middleton uh, to be that uh, dominant scorer out there?
5: Well, it is to a certain extent, Prince, but you know what it is? And they did it a lot in the fourth quarter. It took them a while to start getting to it. But that Middleton Giannis pick and roll is so freaking like dastardly because you just don't know what you're going to do off of that, right? Like, because if, if you're going to double off of that, well, then Giannis is rolling free to the basket and that's, that's a nightmare. And if you're not going to double off of that, and then all of a sudden you have Chris Middleton in the mid-range scorer, a guy with a lethal jump shot, free to spin with a little bit of space, whether it's going to be to attack the rim a little bit and get that area that he's comfortable or take a jump shot. And those Giannis pick and rolls with Chris Middleton as the ball handler have been very good. And it took them until the the fourth quarter really start getting to them consistently. But I think they really unlocked something there. They discovered how good that can be. If they're going to consistently go to that, Chris Middleton is going to be a threat, like regardless of the
1: bench. All right. He's our senior NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel. Follow him on Twitter at me, JVT, JVT. That was awesome. Thanks again for your time. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Getting some more intel right there as we get to a decision point, James. Uh, Game five, again, we're not going to get any relief from a number move or or a a line movement here, but uh, I guess it's just deciding on what we've seen the previous four games.
4: Not only what we've seen the adjustments now that what is Phoenix going to do on their side? Like JBT said, we've seen the adjustments with Coach Bud and the Milwaukee Bucks on the defensive side going smaller, and that's really been able to to free up not only being more athletic on the defensive side, get some runouts as well, and some easier baskets. But we're not seeing that from the Suns. The Suns, even though the Bucks have gone smaller, they're kind of getting the boards crashed on them, and that's what yeah, happened yeah. in Game Four to where they didn't allow. You're not going to see the Suns being Able to leak out. There's no runouts for this team, so I think here, looking at this total, not only with this total and the defensive adjustments that we've seen from the Bucks on that side of the floor, uh, but also now so many inexperienced players. When you're talking right. about being in the finals, right. I mean that's the other piece too. The gravity of the moment going into Game Five. Now the Suns will have the advantage being at home, and it's a young team that feeds off that home crowd. There'll be some confidence that comes through that. But what happens when we get to the second half and the game's tight? That we finally saw a competitive game in this in game four and we saw a little short arm some some shots coming up short some (laughs) folks not as not as inclined to start chucking up some of the balls that they normally would say in a a, you know earlier in the game i just think that's going to be something that plays out too is the lack of experience and when we're talking about nba finals and the gravity of the moment to how pivotal this game is who's going to step up and be able to not only want to take that shot, mm-hmm. but then be able to have the confidence to make those big shots. Aside from the big star players, and we're talking about Ball and Booker on the, the right. Sun side, as well as Giannis and Middleton on the other side, role players are going to be key tomorrow night in this game. If I'm going to look to play it, I'd be looking at the total, and I'd probably be looking to play the under.
1: Playing under two eighteen and a half uh, is a total out here in Vegas. You know, James is a competitor myself. Uh, going on the road, you always needed to match that home energy from the home team. Uh, and I just wonder, this time around, can the Bucks? did they learn anything to be able to match uh, what the Suns' energy level is going to be uh, out there tomorrow night?
4: I think they'll bring it. It's just a matter of the confidence level. In particular, Chris Middleton. We see it. Such an up-and-down yeah. player. Sensational game in f- game four. Need consistency out of him. Need to see that on the road in game five for the Bucks to win.
1: All right. We're going to go back to the National Football League because we have odds. Uh, who's going to lead the NFL in interceptions, James? Human achievement angle. We're going to go over that coming up next right here on v the Sports betting network.
2: Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music?
1: The new episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod touches all the bases at Del Mar, Saratoga, and Monmouth Park. Longtime Southern California handicapper Bob Ike previews the summer meet. That is open today at Del Mar. Trainer Fausto Gutierrez talks about his rising star Lutresca and her plans for Saratoga. Monmouth handicapper Brad Thomas looks at tomorrow's $1 million Haskell stakes. v Vinnie Mayulo has his picks for weekend races as well. Subscribe at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download it now at vcen.com podcast. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back to the show. It's betting across America. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. Uh, human achievement time, James, in the National Football League, or lack thereof, lack thereof. Either way, you can look at it either way here. Uh, because odds to leave lead the NFL in interceptions, courtesy of DraftKings. Uh, Sam Darnold's plus 700. Ryan Fitzpatrick plus 800. Jared Goff plus 800. He's up there. Zach Wilson, a rookie, plus 900.
4: I think I'd go further down the list. I think for okay. Darnold, what are we going to see out of Darnold? I'd, I'd, what is that identity that offense going to look like? So many question marks there. How much of that was for Darnold and his struggles in New York? How much of that was because it was a bad football team as well it was as Jets. some of the uh, <laughs> it was the Jets and as well as some of the dysfunction that Adam Gase had when he came over to that franchise and not only on the field but off the field. Just a tough situation for Darnold to go into, and and I think for down the list, looking at Goff, I mean, Golf's not one that going to challenge anything down the field, right? He's going to be, he's got a good offensive line there in Detroit, but who's he going to be? What is the identity of that offense going to look like? I think he's going to be pretty conservative, and they'll play to Goff's strengths, which is really uh, the the short passing game for Jared Goff. So, let's dig a little deeper, and let's go further down the list here, maybe, and I'll just kind of think about where, uh, two in particular. I know uh, where let's you're Let's talk going. about Daniel Jones. Yep, let's talk about Daniel Jones for what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think this is a make or break year for Daniel yeah. Jones. This is it. Is are you going to be the leader of the team? Are you going to be the face of this franchise on the offensive side at the quarterback position going forward? We've given you all the tools. I mean, the, you talk about in the draft as well as free agency, very aggressive to to go out and give him some targets to sling the ball down the field to. So there's plenty of opportunities and playmakers for Daniel Jones to throw the football to. But for me, it's going to start right away at the offensive line. It is not a good offensive line are the New York Giants. I think that's going to be a challenge for Daniel. Jones, and then knowing that the pressure is on him now, this is it. This is kind of like we talked about Sam Darnold and the pressure and some of the issues, not the same dysfunction when it comes to the coaching staff there with the Giants that it is with the Jets, but I think the pressure there in New York, being the Giants quarterback, it's on Daniel Jones to have to make plays, especially with the talent that they surrounded with, but with the bad offensive line there, and yeah, it's not a challenging schedule that they're going to face as far as, especially internally, within that division uh, with the secondaries, But is there going to be a sense of trying to make plays and force plays for Daniel Jones and say, yes, I should be the leader of this team? Maybe that's one that maybe that's one quarterback to look at as far as interceptions. go.
1: Yeah, I was looking for him uh, as well as uh, Jameis Winston, too. But I guess we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be in New Orleans. Right. So uh, but on this list that we have, Daniel Jones definitely stands out. Uh, I was looking at Kirk Cousins, too, uh, a little bit there, Uh, but maybe he'll be more of a high-percentage passer with that running game. Uh, You know, Clint Kubiak is offense coordinator, too. Uh, Big Ben, slimmed down. Maybe you can't call him Big Ben anymore. Uh, We're going to get to big reveals pretty soon. He's at 12-1 to in terms of Ben uh, Roethlisberger.
4: What is the identity of that football team going to look like offensively? A rebuild offensive line. You drafted Harris at the running back position in the first round. Are they going to try to take some pressure off Big Ben and run the football? Big Ben does not have the ability to throw the ball and stretch the ball, stretch the field with his vertical passing game any longer. We saw that really dial back in the second half of the season. Elbow surgery, too. Uh, I, I'm, maybe somebody maybe looking further down the list. What was it? 21, 22 to one, I think, for Kyler Murray. What about Kyler Murray? another young quarterback who wants to prove himself here. They've given him, he's got targets now with Hopkins and and now A.J. Green into the mix. Is there going to be pressure on him to throw the football down the field? Is there pressure on Kingsbury to have to make some plays and, and see this offense expand? And I think the other thing too, defensively for teams, now they've got two years of film in this offense, in particular with Kyler, Kyler Murray, What does it look like? They know full well you've got to stay disciplined in your rush lanes. Don't let him get outside the pocket to be able to make plays. Keep him in. Keep, take away, is not <laughs> as far as his stay. He's a little short of stature in the pocket there, Pritch. If you keep him and contain him in the pocket and get in those, get in those sight lines for mm-hmm. passing the football, maybe there's opportunity for him to force some plays, especially considering the defenses that they'll play within the NFC West.
1: He's slowing down, too. I've been hit a number of times since he's been in the National Football League. I find it very interesting, though, James. Sam Darnold leaves the Jets, but yet he's still the favorite uh, for, to lead the league in the NFL and interceptions at plus 700. Zach Wilson at plus 900 right there. Come up next on the program, Ben Fox, VP of Digital Content. College football season is right around the corner, and that means the vSIN College Football Betting Guide is coming soon. Our experts look at the impact of the transfer portal, key games on the schedule, and early season trends to watch. So you have the betting edge this football season. The guide is only $19.99, and discounts are available when you buy early. So now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for vSIN All Access and get everything we have to offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VSEN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the show. Betting Across America, Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. And so is our VP of Digital Content, Ben Fox. Ben, how are you?
6: Doing well, guys. Been uh, It's been a little while, you know. I've given a couple weeks, the beard to grow here. Different uh, different background back on the East Coast. So uh good to be back with you. This is the childhood bedroom. So you're getting a glimpse in here. Okay. You can imagine there are there are there are a lot more trophies a couple of years ago here. Now it's been kind of remodeled by uh by the parents. But, okay,
1: yeah. You know. Yeah, you guys are moving fast with the remodeling and everything. I mean, you haven't been in <laughs> Vegas that long then.
6: You know, it's it's hot out there, Pritch. Right. It's 100 degrees. Had to had to get back to the East Coast for a couple of weeks. Uh we'll be back uh later in July to uh finish everything up before football season.
1: Let's get to the story with WNBA, uh, the all-star game, if you will. Uh, We saw a significant line movement there in that situation. What do you have for us?
6: Yeah, so this was something I know Gil uh, and others talked about that happened on Wednesday. I thought it was just interesting to bring up again. Uh, for a couple reasons. For those who don't know, you should go and read David Purdom's great story on ESPN Chalk about it. But basically, there was a WNBA All Star game on Wednesday. The total opened 248 and a half at Circa, and essentially Matt Metcalf, who's the director over there, was running a little late to a meeting. Didn't realize there was a new format, so he kind of looked at the previous All Star games, uh, the last couple years, set a line at 248 and a half. The first bet actually came in on the over probably for kind of a syndicate to push the market up a little bit and then basically every other bet came in on the under this actually moved over 50 points which for a total to give some context if it's moving five to seven points 10 points is gigantic so 50 points is really unheard of Uh, and despite all of that the game still went under. Um, Again, these are lower limits. It's, you know, I think the opening limit was $2,000, later reduced to $500 at Circa. But just interesting that, you know, A, they put out a line on something that, you know, there's not going to be a giant betting market on. And B, Matt Metcalf just said, hey, you know, I hung a bad number. We made a mistake. We're honoring all the bets. Uh, And, you know, providing that type of transparency, I think, especially in a legalized sports betting world is a good thing. So just really interesting. And I think on a night that there was an NBA finals game, nobody was going to have predicted the biggest sports betting story of the day was a total in the WNBA All-Star game.
4: Ben, and thinking about that, I mean, what is the NBA doing? Scheduling, you have game four of the NBA Finals, and you have the WNBA All-Star Game on the same night. But marketing aside there, let's talk about game four of the NBA Finals from Wednesday night. And that closing number with the bucks it closed at four and a half. Felt like if you were a Suns backer, Ben, are you feeling like you took a bad beat in that situation?
6: Yeah, so this is something I always love to track, especially during NFL and college football games um, where it just seems like potentially one team is covering the entire game. And then certainly in previous years, if you're on the Browns or the Jaguars or some other teams that like to blow it late, all of a sudden you lost your ticket. Uh, this was a game where the Bucks, uh excuse me, the Suns were covering the entire game. All but the last basically 19 seconds Devin Booker misses a layup a couple of free throws the other way and the Bucks uh, end up coming home at minus four and a half winning 109 103 again pretty tough when you are covering a game for all but the last 19 seconds you feel like you're on the right side. Uh, again, we can debate whether the right side is the one that cashes at the end, or the you know the right side is probably there in the Suns game since they were winning or covering the entire game. But just another uh, another tough one, and now both teams at home have won and cashed in this series.
1: Yeah, I was just about to ask you that question, Ben. I mean, looking at Game Five, uh, at NBA Finals. Uh, The home team has cashed and covered. I'm sure the public and everybody is aware of that because of so much information. So uh, we're seeing uh, probably tickets uh, and handle uh, favoring the home team here in the game five.
6: Well, everyone's clearly watching and listening to Vison and you guys, I <laughs> think, right. and, uh, and the rest of our programming. And yeah, certainly we've seen so far over eighty percent of the bets at DraftKings, uh, almost ninety percent of the handle on the Suns. Uh, they actually had three and a half; they've gone to four. I think that's pretty much where the market is now. Suns minus four, but no, no real surprise. Again, the public's going to love to back the home team. The Suns were up 2-0, then they lose two straight games. You figure, okay, the Suns really need to, they can't lose three straight, right? So you figure the public's going to be on them, and that's what we've seen certainly, as well as a good amount, 75% of the bets and handles so far on the over as well, 218.
4: Ben, you mentioned you're out there on the East Coast and we always give us these updates, these monthly updates on the handle across betting across America and what that looks like. What is who's the front runner right now? What did the month of June look like when it come to sports betting handle?
6: Yeah so uh, you know we'll see if I can make it down to AC it is a couple hours away from Brooklyn but uh, I actually have never been so we'll see maybe maybe visit Lombardi and uh, Thomas Gable and others down there but New Jersey really right now is the number one market uh, for sports betting and it's not particularly close uh, Nevada being number two but even in the last couple years uh, excuse me last couple months Nevada has taken a backseat to some other states uh, be it Pennsylvania, be it Illinois, in kind of the monthly rankings. Uh, for, for June, New Jersey just reported $767 million in sports betting handle. Uh, and now, just kind of to reiterate that point, New Jersey now has 10 straight months of over $740 million in handle. No other state has one of those since 2018 when PASFA was repealed. So again, New Jersey just overtook Nevada for the most overall handle since May of 2018. I think right now they're number one. It will be interesting to see as we have some other states coming online. We'll have Maryland's probably Louisiana coming online this fall to see kind of Arizona as well, see where this uh, leaderboard shapes up. Right now New Jersey number one and uh, New York Mobile early next year, I think that will also shake up the leaderboard some too.
1: Just outstanding information right there. Uh, Otani, too, I guess from an MVP standpoint, been uh, leading the way substantially right now.
6: Yeah, Otani is just a fascinating story in so many ways. Uh, he's bet MGM's biggest liability uh, to win the MVP. No real surprise there. I think what's interesting, though, is he's 60 to 1 to win the Cy Young, right? So he's pitching and he's hitting. He's not going to win the Cy Young. So it's really all about his hitting. He's just a phenomenal player and so exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Ben Fox, VP of Digital Content, right here at VSIN. When we continue the program, uh, we're going to get to Major League Baseball, a little uh, breakdown of some of the games on the schedule, maybe a pick or two as well. That's coming up next.
2: Zumo Play.
1: Everybody, here's a chance to turn a $1 wager on the Cardinals or Giants into $100 with BetMGM if either team hits a home run. Just use bonus code VSEN100 when you sign up with the King of Sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and make sure to use promo code VSEN100. It's a new customer offer paid and free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Washington, DC, Virginia, or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan dissociated persons, please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado, Nevada, Washington, DC, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for Help in Michigan, 800 Gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania and West Virginia, 800 Bets Off in Iowa and Tennessee call our Texas Redline 800-889-9789. In Indiana, it's 1-800-9 with it. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today, updating everybody on the leaderboard after two rounds of the Open. James Louis Hazen minus 11. Uh, Morikawa is uh, minus 9. Speth minus 8 uh, there. Uh, third place. Uh, Scheffler minus 7. Uh, I'm looking down at John Rahm making a comeback. He shot six under today uh, and he's minus 5 for the tournament right now. And so is uh, Kepka
4: some really high scores it must be very favorable weather unseasonably favorable weather I think for the British opener the opener whichever way you want to go with it I suppose but yeah we well, don't typically see these scores you're sitting there through two rounds you're talking about where the leaderboard is sitting at mm-hmm. minus 11 11 under through two rounds <laughs> do we even get that when it comes to four rounds in this typically in this tournament so taking advantage of some decent weather in particular not not having a whole lot of wind I think obviously we know that the weather can be very impactful when it comes to the british open bridge
1: yeah absolutely we'll we'll look for uh, the developments over the weekend too obviously uh, uh tighter situations as people closing in on winning that tournament the open big tournament uh looking forward to this weekend major league baseball james indians in the athletics uh, game that kind of stands out here in this uh schedule for major league baseball as they resume uh the second half of the season
4: yeah i, I i'm i mean Looking at the pitching matchup, Bassett, the the number too big for me. I'm not going to lay it with the A's at home in this situation. But I did take the A's as their team total runs over four and a half. It was sitting at a dollar ten. And just looking at the pitching matchup here with Eli Morgan, really now Morgan's really was young pitcher. Only had five starts. He's had five starts in his career. All five starts within the last six weeks or so. And ultimately, he has been the last four the last four starts because of the injuries that have been with that pitching staff for the Indians going into the All-Star break. Top three guys in that rotation were in and out of the rotation, missed a number of starts in June. And so Morgan had to step in as really a spot starter, call up here. That's why he's on the ball club and still there because of injuries. And uh, he's gotten a rude welcoming to the bigs, Bridge. I mean, he's gotten, I mean, he's really gotten hammered. With these, with those five starts, he's pitched 20, 28. One innings, twenty earned runs in those five starts, including eight homers. So welcome to the bigs, young fella. And now you're going to go play an Oakland team that, yeah, it's a very pitcher friendly ballpark here, but this is not a pitcher friendly lineup that that Morgan is going to face when we think about the the A's and the power that they bring to that lineup. This team does drive the ball, whether they're at home or on the road, and I think it's just a tough tough situation for young Eli Morgan to come out of the break and face the Oakland team. Right to get after it, the second half of the season to compete for that AL West, you're going to face a young guy. We'll see how many innings he takes. He's kind of eating some innings there, five innings. Each of those starts getting tagged pretty good. So right. I think here, that's where I went. I didn't want to lay that big price with the A's to win that game, but sitting there, at uh, their team total over four and a half runs at a dollar ten, I'll lay that saying they can get five or more runs.
1: In see, this I contest. love these betting angles that you find though, because you know, as a casual bettor, I'd look at that number uh, minus one ninety. Uh, a dominating picture for the Athletics here. The total of eight two. I would put all that together, but uh, I want to ask you about the approach in the second half after an All Star break. As a casual bettor, I haven't participated this way with Major League Baseball. So, uh, is this a wait and, and see uh, approach here, or is it kind of resume what you saw in the first half?
4: It's very situational, Pritch. Okay. I think here, the, the situation for me here in particular for this Oakland game is just going up against Morgan, young kid who's been yeah. hammered this in his early season debut, you know, his first few pitches and star starts for the tribe in this situation. And really, he wouldn't be on this roster and be pitching in this situation if it wasn't for the injuries to that tribe rotation. So, here, yeah, I think it's, it's really kind of treading lightly more so. Coming out of the break, where are folks coming from? Where are they traveling to, especially those that were all stars and we always saw the impact right now with the New York Yankees and the covid that mm-hmm. that happened unfortunately with with judge and now that's spread for a number of players on that within that clubhouse that are not going to be they're going to go on that 10-day uh, health and safety protocol right now so that's going to be impactful but more so just kind of the mindset certain teams thinking about where are the Cubs at right now you saw they already the, the fire sale has begun they're making those trades and oh, it, yeah. it is uh, it's on the the phones are lit there in <laughs> Chicago because it started with it started with with jock peterson yesterday but now there's going to be more to come what's going to happen with with, with whether it's kimbrell i mean you're mm-hmm. thinking about davies uh, what's going to happen with chris bryant probably going to get out of there where's their mindset going in uh, so it's situational there i think for me like a team like the cubs right now that's going to be a stay away team maybe a bet against but they're playing the diamondbacks so not a bet against for me i'm not t- i'm not touching the diamondbacks and in the second half of the season then it's some of these teams where you know they're completely out of it yeah they're going to be trading off whatever talent they have, but also now there's going to be some call-ups. How are those call-ups going to look, especially for the pitchers that pop up there, Pritch? A lot of, obviously, young talent coming up we haven't seen them what is that going to look like if we haven't seen them hard to bet on but also for these opposing lineups if if you haven't if you don't have a great book on some of these young kids that are going to come up and start to fill these roles especially when you get in the dog days of August Rich that sometimes the young pitchers have a little bit of an advantage because the only scouting reports they're going to have are what they've had from the minor leagues and that that's not always applicable as far as facing major league hitters and sometimes it takes them a little while to to see the pitch and adjust to it in real time so those are some of the angles have to be careful of, but especially right now, two weeks to the trade deadline. Right, I'm going to be very cautious when it comes to some teams, whether they're especially if they're going to be selling off talent like the Chicago Cubs. No, I love
1: it. I love that information certainly, um, and in particular for you know how long this season is, and me being a casual better when it comes to Major League Baseball, uh, I love that insight right there. So the Padres on the road uh, with the Nationals, the Nationals at home, plus a dollar thirty-five,
4: nine and a half to total in this one. I I split the total and I went fi- I went first 5 with the okay. over here. I got it at a quarter now it's all the way up. I was checking it between the break here, Pritch, and I, I don't usually like to get involved with, with I don't, you know, I me. Mean, I'm pretty frugal when it comes to laying juice. I did lay the quarter in this situation to go over team to, or collective five runs in the first five, but now it's up to $1.40. So take it for what you, for, for what you will there. But it, really, this was going to be a play against the, the starting pitchers for both teams here. I've been betting against Fetty, Eric Fetty, for a number of spots. I bet against them on Sunday uh, the giant start that he had in San Francisco not for the t- not for the price it was a big price but I bet against his his pitcher prop, his outs were too high at fifteen and a half. He hasn't gone more than five innings uh, in hardly any of his starts this season. That's not available today. But you think about Eric Fetty, he's been t- tagged pretty good. In particular, his last start, they just faced each other last weekend or last week in San Diego. Fetty got lit up in four and a third innings pitch, six earned runs, got hit hard in that game, has not looked good the last few starts. And then the other side, starter for the Padres here, Paddock, Chris Paddock's really struggled, especially uh, the last six weeks, the whole uh, sticky stuff since all those things coming out. Last six weeks, 29 earned runs allowed in his last 34 innings pitched, as well as he just got blasted. We talked about Fetty got tagged pretty good mm-hmm. by the, the Padres. Well, so did Paddock on the other side against Washington last week. He lasted just two innings, gave up eight earned runs in that matchup here. So I think here both lineups are healthy. Uh, in this case, that's where I just went the first five, looking at five. I did lay the quarter, like I said, but now it's up to a dollar forty to go over those five runs in the first five innings in that matchup.
1: James, I was taking a look at this game earlier. Is Houston on the road against Chicago? Uh, Cease is on the bump. We were talking about him earlier with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, the White Sox at home, home dog, uh, plus one fifteen nine uh, is the total against that potent lineup uh, right there with Houston.
4: Yeah, I think for this game, I'm probably going to stay off of this game. I'm not going to get involved with it. Just we've seen a little bit of regression for Dylan Cease. We know he's there. He's the fourth starter in that rotation. And now coming out of the All-Star break, Houston, I don't think anybody, they they declined their All-Star invitations. I don't think they wanted to face the wrath of the fans and even some players in those clubhouses at all the festivities that were going on during the All-Star week here in Denver. So here for the Astros, there wasn't any travel. They'll be staying together collectively as a team since no one went to that all-star game here in Denver. So now it's up to $1.30 in favor of the Astros. I think I'll lay off the Dylan Seas. I mean, this is a terrific lineup. We talked about these lineups in baseball in the last hour when we were dealing and digging into some of these teams, Pritch. And I think for the Astros, this is coming off a little momentum, thinking about how they finished that game off and that series off. Did not play well in that series Mm -hmm. at home against the Yankees until that last inning against New York in that ninth inning, in particular the uh, the shirtless Jose Altuve <laughs> that got to round the bases with the walk-off. So uh, I think there, there's an Astros team right now that's a tough lineup that, to face with the, a White Sox lineup that's still nursing a few injuries and waiting to get some players back. They won't be back. We mentioned some of those players too. They're the Grandal, et, et cetera, and, and Robert and, and Jimenez. They'll be back in August, okay. and I think that's probably when I'll get more involved with Chicago. I'm going to stay away from this series probably throughout the series, especially with this pitching matchup here was these Tough matchup to go up against uh, against the Astros out of the All-Star.
1: Line. Yeah, we're off and rolling. Major League Baseball second half. The Phillies are up 3-2 over the Marlins uh, right now uh, in the second inning. Top of the second inning right there. Uh, great job on the show today, James. Uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Pritch. You too. Good luck with your bets.
4: Stay cool out there and stay safe, my
1: friend. Well, that's impossible to stay cool, but I will try. But certainly looking forward to uh, the NBA Finals resuming tomorrow night and also looking forward to you betting across America this weekend as well. Great job again, James Salinas, out there in Denver, Colorado. Come up next on the network, my guys in the desert, right here on VSEN, the Esports Betting Network.
2: Zumo Play.